ring, ring. Who is it? Dave and Jen? I've been expecting your call. <laughs> That's right. You're listening to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. Ah! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we proudly present our spectacular show of podcast magic and imagination full of Disney wonder, news, and pop culture. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast with Jen Novotny and David Dollar. Hey, Jen. Hey, Dave. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast. I am Dave here with Jen, and the force is with Jen because... Oh, yes, it is. I'm assuming when I say, how did you do Disney this week, your answer is going to be, well, (laughs) tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. Or actually Um, now, when you're listening to this episode... Yes, actually, as of the day everybody is listening to this episode, I am boarding the Galactic Star Cruiser. I have Disneyed this week by getting my outfits together because, mm-hmm. of course, I'm dressing up. Of course. I don't know why you would think otherwise, so that's fine. Fun um, times. What are you dressing so I mean, do you exciting. have any particular character, or are you just dressing up in Star Wars-like Just like Star Wars-ish. Yeah, I'm not, like, bounding as a specific character. Slightly R2-D2-inspired colors. I see that. Like, okay. Because my nails, like, with right. the blue and the silver and white. So, like, everything I'm wearing is, like, those tones that are in R2-D2. Right, right. Okay. But, yeah. But more just, like, Star Wars-y-ish. Brady is, like, a little Han Solo-ish. Uh-huh. So, we're just gonna, we're gonna go with it. Oh, is, now, is so. Brady gonna put on the gold bikini? Because that would be awesome. Um, he is not planning on doing the okay, gold bikini. Okay, just just yeah. asking, just wondering. I mean, it might yeah. it might fit him well. I mean, you know, with the cape in the back and everything, just you know. <laughs> he wasn't planning on it. So. I have a feeling they're not going to allow that on the Galactic Star Cruiser. I kind of don't blame them. So, so uh, that's really funny. Well, that's really awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, next week's episode, folks. Here's a primer. Next week's episode will be the Galactic Star Cruiser. We'll be talking yes. all about that, which is going to be awesome. Uh, for me, Jen, I ordered myself an Epcot shirt from Park Candy and it is a like the, the entire thing is the, the Epcot the the, the, the spheres the, the design of Epcot basically the Geodome the Space Earth. Or the, yeah, Geodome yeah. yeah the whole thing is just that shirt and I'm so excited oh, now awesome. it's not it's pre-ordered it's not going to get here for another couple of weeks so I won't be able to wear it in March but it, I probably will try to debut it in uh, um, in in October when we all go down because it just looks oh like yay a cool shirt. it looks like a really, really cool shirt. Uh, Steph and I, of course, are going to be debuting our our contemporary shirts when we go in March. She's going to mm-hmm. I'm going to be wearing mine. Hopefully, it's going to be warm enough that she'll be able to wear her little sundress with the contemporary sundress, which we're real excited about. Um, so that's exciting. So yeah, we're just getting ready for March, which is which is exciting. So that's awesome. Very very fun. Very cool. <laughs> the parks are crowded as crap right now. Absolutely crowded. Um, yes, I, I'm sure are. you're going to have fun with that because there's just so many people in the park. Right now. Uh, it's, it's okay. You know what? It's okay because yes. I'm going to be there and well, it's Flower and Garden. And that's the main thing. Uh, not a whole lot of news this week, but I do want to mention this headline mm-hmm. that I saw on a website here. Iridescent flowers debuting at the 2022 Flower and Garden Fest for Walt Disney World's 50th Wait, iridescent flowers? I iridescent don't flowers. The cast, uh, there's a cast member on video showing topiaries for this year's festival with pink iridescent flowers debuting at the festival. Um, of course, this festival is now starting. It's actually starting tomorrow 
or I guess will be when you're there. Are, now, are you going to Epcot? Are you hitting all four parks or just it's a quick trip down, a quick trip back? How's that working for you? We are not hitting all four. So, I mean, obviously the first two days, you know, the third and the fourth of the Star Cruiser, right, we check out right, the right, morning right. of the fifth. I mean, right. really, other than breakfast, there's nothing mm-hmm. there. Then we check into the boardwalk. And so then we're planning to do a lot of Flower and Garden. And of course, Magic Kingdom. Like, we cannot go down yeah. to yeah. the park. So we're, we're probably not going to hit Animal Kingdom this trip, which is, I mean, which is fine. We have to see Epcot. You know, that's my All right, favorite. So, so, okay, so let me ask you this question. I've been asked this question a couple of times by by uh, by, by clients mm-hmm. who called me and you know, they yeah. want to go for just one or two days and they're asking, you know, what parks should we go to? Now, obviously, that answer is dependent on so many factors. What time of year you're Completely. going, um, how, your family dynamic, what do you enjoy, that kind of thing. But as a general question, uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot, Jen, Flower and Garden, let's just say it's April. The weather is nice. Mm-hmm. It's not maybe mm-hmm. hot, hot, but it's not, you know, cool, cool. It's yeah. kind of somewhere in the middle, 70s, whatever. The weather's nice. You have a couple. You have a uh, younger couple mm-hmm. in their 20s, maybe early 30s, and they're saying, what two parks should we go to? Jen, what are you recommending? Honestly, a lot of it depends on the couple, though, because I'm going to ask them a couple of other questions, and I'm going to like, okay, well, what do you like? Because I do have couples where I'd be like, all right, probably based on what you're telling me you need to hit epcot and you need Mm -hmm. to hit animal kingdom maybe because i do know some people that is literally their favorite park you know they that is a must for them um in other cases i'm going to recommend epcot and hollywood studios you know noticing a theme epcot is basically yeah yeah (laughs) always one of the two i recommend does it does it kind of break your heart maybe pierce your heart just a little bit to hear families go yeah we're not going to epcot because there's nothing for the kids there I'm just like, I just, that, don't, that hurts me. Why would you say that? I That's just, I'm like, there is stuff for kids. I so mean, it's, yeah, granted, it, adults love it, but. <laughs> we need to do an episode on, on kids stuff. Like we need to actually have on the Disney moms again, maybe Kyla and Kelly uh, and Heather yes. or whatever, and talk about each park and what they do for the kids, what things are happening for kids. You know, if you have children, what can you find, you know, small children or whatever? Because my first thing now is thinking of um, of, of KitKat at Epcot. And a lot of people mm-hmm. don't even know KitKat exists. And that's something yeah. when you go to every single every single pavilion has something for the kids. You go there and a little passport, you little stickers, you little, you little activity and things like that. And they've also got the, the – do they still have the, the Perry's um, – uh, the, the, the adventure the with Perry's the – Perry's World Showcase event. World they have not been doing that. Okay. But okay. I know of – for a while, they, yeah, they, they apparently there was an app maybe in the play. Disney. I'm not sure okay. if there's a piece of Play Disney, but they're not doing the stations. You know, like they used to give you cell phones and right, you would right. go around. I think, yeah. So there you go. Right. My, well, I said yeah. that I wasn't going to do any news, but I do want to throw this out here real quick. And just a couple things here. Why not? Um, of course, yeah. Anna and Elsa are back in Epcot. So you get to meet them again at the Royal Summer House. They're meeting yes, again. Yes, thank goodness. So, which is really exciting. Um, that kind of happened a couple of days ago. I think, again, uh, the, the Bob listens to this. Josh mm-hmm. listens to the show. And like when our show is done, they're like, hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and announce some news now that the show is done recording. Um, I think that happens every week. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> so, sure that's yeah. what happens. It's um, annoying, but pretty good. Genie <laughs> Plus also has made some changes now. Now, of course, with yes. Genie Plus, uh, every yes, park yes, had yes, two yes. attractions that you had to pay access for. The individual attraction selection, the individual lightning lane. I don't know what they're calling it now. This whatever you got to pay for it. It's extra. It's extra pay. You pay for it. It's not in the genie plus. It's not a lightning lane. You have to pay for access to it. And before it was two per park. Now it's just one per park because now space mountain has moved into the genie plus lineup. Uh, Mickey Ninja yes. Runaway railway has moved into the Mickey plus lineup. Uh, are the, lightning Wait, lane the genie lineup. plus the, Sorry. the Mickey. <laughs> Let me say a little again. Plus the, uh, hey, Heather, I'm saying this again. 
Uh, Mickey and Minnie's <laughs> Runaway Railway has now moved into the Lightning Lane lineup for Genie Plus. Uh, and of course, over at uh, over at Epcot, Frozen Ever After has moved into that mm-hmm. lineup as well. So now this is one per park. Now, Everest is the one that would be outstanding. It would make sense to move into that lineup for Animal Kingdom, but it's under refurbishment, so it doesn't right. matter. Um, that's I agree with this decision. I, I actually agree with this, this decision forever. I think it needs to not go back to that. I, and I think it will stay that way. I think I maybe think too. they might move Mickey Minnie back. But honestly, I, I that one I could see an argument for because but. this is supposed to be through August the seventh. By then, of course, uh, Guardians will be reopened, and it'll be it'll be Guardians. And that Ray. one, I'm That'll sure, be those will two. Be and honestly, sure. I can see by the year, end of the year where Remy moves into but, the into the regular. Franchise. I was about to say, I, I, I do think happening. eventually that one's going to go regular. Yep, Ginny Plus. Yep. yep, and I can see it like the brand new attractions, mm-hmm. absolutely, because those are going to be in demand. The passes will go mm-hmm. out really quickly. I'm just saying passes yep. because I don't know if I can. I just have the hardest time. <laughs> well, terminology. I would say- I would say too, if you're not a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, summer's a great time for you to go to Epcot because that all the focus will be there. Everybody will be in that line. You'll be able to hop on to you can do whatever you want, which will be which will be awesome. But yeah, I Genie Plus is one of those. It's it's a it's a love hate relationship with Genie Plus because Mm -hmm. I love I love the concept, I love what it does, and I get you got to pay extra for it. And I often have thought that eventually Disney would go to a paid Fast Pass system, and they did. Oh yeah, we've said that. Mm -hmm. I think. Honestly, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't here, but I think that if if the system worked all the time, because there are so many glitches right now, if it worked mm-hmm. all the time, I don't think we would have this much negativity about it. I agree. I think because people are having to revamp and re- reschedule and redo some things mm-hmm. in the morning because things aren't working correctly or whatever. And I think because things thing. were going out so quickly during busy right. times. Like, even right. with fast passes, that wasn't... That really wasn't a concern. Do you know what right. I mean? Like the popular oh, yeah. ones were gone, but there were still plenty that you could have had during the day. So I think some of this is growing pains and, and just I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know they are asking for feedback. I mean, surveys are asking for feedback, everything else. So I, I'm hopeful, but it'll... Right. Well, and let's I... just remind people, FastPass was a disaster at first. Yo, I was going to say, FastPass Plus, it took about two years for it to really even out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then people years. loved it. <laughs> and it went over a billion dollars. It was over a billion dollars over budget. Uh, people were fired over it. But how, I don't want to say poorly. It just, it, there was a lot of things that went wrong it's... with it when they rolled it out. Mm-hmm. Um, whether this is going to be like that or not, I have no idea. I think the no system idea. will evolve and will change. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't go up in price anytime soon until they get it all worked out because I don't want this to be like Disneyland is 20 bucks a person per day. Right. Uh, But that also includes their photos. That that is true. That that does include their photos. That's true. But I also see, I I can foresee promotions now where Disney will say, if you book these dates, this promotion, whatever, blah, 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 we give you Genie Plus free with your tickets, with ticket purchase. I can totally see it being 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 a promo tool. Get Genie Plus for free. And so I can see, like, no, it's the new free dining. It's free Genie Plus. Um, no, free dining is not back right now. Don't ask about it. No, there's really no back. dining plan. So, so no dining literally. Plan. No, like, I get asked. No, we don't have that. Every day I get asked about the dining There is no. There's no dining plan. Yeah. It might come back. We're hoping it will. Well, I think they said it will. will come back. It's a cash cow for Disney. They want it to come back. Okay, so last question before we get to the main stuff here. Why Do you have a theory as to why, why dining plan is not back yet? Do you know what they're holding off I on? I don't or is... know what it is, but my guess would be with just... I, I, I'm guessing they're back up to 100% capacity mm-hmm. in the restaurants, but I might be incorrect. Okay. However, I don't know that they're staffing. I feel like in some cases, the staffing isn't back up to 100%. I think it's a staffing thing. I do think so it's a I really thing. think it's a staffing thing versus a... And, you know, they don't want people paying for a service they cannot deliver on. Right, and they can't fulfill either because there are several right. several places that aren't character meals. Again, Crystal Palace still doesn't have characters again. All the princesses mm-hmm. are not back at Cinderella's Royal Table. So and, until those things yeah. are back... Yeah. Well, and now uh, but, I'm wondering... But, 
and this is not to go too political. This is not to go political at all. But now I'm wondering, with the restrictions being lifted, um, uh, I mm-hmm. think my personal belief is that the mask mandate on transportation will lift in March. I think it will be. You go on a bus. I think that I, probably I think that will, will lift change for various reasons. Then I'm wondering, will they go back to characters coming to the tables? And if that's the case, they can put more tables in restaurants. Because right now, they're widened by like five or six or seven feet. Right. the characters can walk through, which is right. a safety thing, too. Or are they going to stick with that saying, you know what? We like how this works. It keeps the mm-hmm. characters safer. Blah, blah, blah. They're not having to come to the tables. But if they come to the tables, that means more tables. That means more people. That means more revenue. That means right. more. And so now I'm wondering if that's... If I mean, that's, that, that might be a catch-22 there. Coming, so yeah. it'll be interesting interesting to see which way they go with it right very very true Mm -hmm. so we haven't done this in a very long time very but i'm excited to come back to it because there's a couple of things that we definitely have been wanting to talk about forever we just couldn't figure out how to put it in there and this is called disney did you know Mm -hmm. and we've each selected two stories from disney history covering disney whatever parks and movies or whatever we want to cover to talk about because we're guessing that people either don't know the story or yeah. they don't know the real story, which is one of mine that I'm really excited to talk about. But, Jen, I'm going to let you go first and just kind of oh, give us a Disney okay. did you know. Well, this is a did, a did you know um, about – so quasi-producer Heather's daughter, Kylie, mm-hmm. is a huge Splash Mountain fan. Like, she is probably the number one hey, fan Kylie. of that attraction. Mm-hmm. And um, so this one is actually inspired by her. Okay. Um, the Splash Mountain that we all – no, currently, of course, for a fox for a bear. It's got all, all right. the animatronics in it. But did you know that those animatronics, at least in Disneyland, used to be part of another attraction? Interesting. And that attraction was called America Sings. So uh, this is, I want to say Disney buffs probably know this, but you not, might not know the full amount mm-hmm. behind it. Because honestly, riding through Splash Mountain as it currently is, you would have no idea. The characters look like they were made for that attraction. (laughs) I mean, literally, it's not like, oh, that looks a little bit off, like the chickens in Buzz Lightyear, which Mm, that's like like a little whole other thing there. Why are there chickens? There's a reason behind it. Maybe I'll do that on a different day. But in the, um, it was called the Carousel Theater, which used to house the Carousel of Progress, of course, from the 64 World's Fair. Right. Um, Disney moved that over to Florida because it wasn't really getting traction out in California anymore. They moved that to its new home in Florida. And that Carousel Theater then was standing empty. However, it was almost time for the bicentennial the bicentennial of course 1976 so they created it was called america sings Mm -hmm. and again it it did rotate okay so you just like carousel of progress you have the six theaters you know you had the six different scenes so you had one with it was called sam the eagle no not the muppet just his name was (laughs) sam and he was an eagle but not the Muppets and the Eagle. <laughs> and he was, uh, you know, in his, his wood, white, and blue top hat right. and cute little things. Um, it, he was voiced by Burl Ives. I knew Burl Ives. enough, yep. yes. Yep. So um, he had a sidekick named Ollie. And so now, he was, was he giving a three and a half hour finale, but mostly about, about all countries, but mostly about America? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't quite that. More like a 20 minute performance. Okay, you gotcha. know. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Yeah, not quite as into it as Muppet 3D. (laughs) But one of the things that was interesting, they would sing like Yankee Doodle, Polly Wally Doodle, like Mm -hmm. in the different things, you know, Songs of America. Of course. And um, so the Gators, you you know, the three Gators, the ones playing a um, a banjo, the ones playing uh, accordion. Okay. They were part of that attraction as well as the little raccoon, like playing the harmonica. Mm -hmm. He does like, it's in the how do you do scene as you're going through. You can see a lot of these. Uh, they also, there were four geese, a quartet of geese, 
that would okay. sing um, like Dixie, Lil Liza Jane, mm. some of those American folk songs. Three of those geese made it into Splash Mountain in Disneyland. One of them went to Star Tours as a robot. Interesting. <laughs> So that was one some interesting of the, contract negotiations. Now, right. I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> which of these keys is going? To, I'm not sure. How, Where's like, Cheryl? Fingers? Don't like, ask, Bonnie. Don't ask. <laughs> she got reassigned. Uh, literally. Um, there were, uh, so some of them were called the Swamp Boys. Okay, there were three frogs. Those frogs with the little hats mm-hmm. um, as you're going through Splash Mountain. Yeah. No, I'm picturing they, they all these animals down by the river you're calling them out. That's really fun. So. Yeah, it's just it's, and that's why I like I think it's interesting. Um, you know, the I call them the revival chickens. Of course. Oh yeah, right. They right. were in America Sings. Right. Um, uh, again, the, the geese were singing. I've been working on the railroad. Some were doing like drill terriers drill, and you might not know some of these, but I was a music teacher, so I taught a bunch of American folk songs. I know all of them. Right. Um, yeah, but they had like the dancing chickens, the whole thing, and it just went around. Absolutely, the you know the six scenes. And they sang and they quote danced and they had all of these cute little characters doing things. Um, and then eventually, you know, had a, a big finale with Yankee Doodle and everybody sings all Lang Syne on the way out. Right, right. And so this debuted in 1974. Okay, this debuted in 74. It ran until 88. By the end, it was one of those attractions that people weren't going to anymore. So, right. you know, and then it just became a shuttered attraction until they eventually revamped it. Well, of course, in 1988, or sorry, 1989. I'm sorry, is when Splash Mountain opened. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, and there's like conflicting stuff on this. Um, Mark Davis uh, designed, of course, Splash Mountain. He also had a big hand in America Sings. And so that's why it's kind of cohesive. It was easy to move those characters over and apparently sort of part of the plan anyway. They knew right. that one was closing. They knew they could repurpose them. Any of the ones that didn't fit quite as well in are in that end river showboat scene right 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 uh, yeah yeah because yeah. like okay the revival chickens that's really the only place you could put those <laughs> in so then of course walt disney world was patterned after that mm-hmm. the other reason that they wanted to build splash mountain in the first place and that it was interesting they were having a hard time getting people over to critter country so with the whole like you know oh, okay. and bear you know mm-hmm. that was the whole thing with the bears like okay well how do we fit this in oh, oh well, we have this whole movie uh that you know for better (laughs) probably for worse and you know in the late 80s like we can use this movie you know with all of these characters and that we can get you know another weenie ride basically to get people in the doors so that is why that all happened and why it's cohesive and i just thought it was it's kind of fascinating that america sings and it is crazy you look at these and you're like wait no i like with the hats and everything, I like it. it. Works perfectly. I, I love it. I, I personally love it when Disney reuses stuff. Yeah. Um, like move things around. Like if you go to Monsters Inc. the ride at Disneyland, you see cutouts and see things that were in the Superstar Limo attraction, which is right. one of the two or three most reviled attractions in Disney history. People <laughs> hated that ride. Um, and yet they took like the paparazzi cutouts and stand-ups and turned them into like monsters and stuff that are in there. It's really, really funny. Uh, you can see yeah. some, kind of some behind the scenes. I, I love that. I love that. So uh, my first one, I'm going to take you all the way back to Disneyland 1957. Ooh. When the Autopia attraction in Tomorrowland was very popular. Walt decided he wanted a junior Autopia in Fantasyland to keep up with demand because all the families are going Autopia. He's like, well, let's do something separate. So to accommodate young children, he had some cars. The seats were higher, had gas pedals that were a little bit bigger, a guide track, uh, basically the same experience as the original Autopia, and he called it Midget Autopia. 
for the smallest Disneyland guests who could not steer or operate the gas pedal. Now, of course, you don't really want to use the word midget, but in 1957, it just meant small. So when they said midget, right. it meant small. It didn't mean like they people or anything like that. No, it was So they opened it up yeah. near Storybook Land uh, Canal Boats. Um, Walt had proposed the creation of, he wanted a creation of a Mousecatopia area in Disneyland devoted to just the youngest children to have a helicopter ride, a boat ride, and a car ride. But then he realized that that would separate families. So he didn't. Just, he decided not to go ahead with that because he wanted families to stay together. But he also went ahead with the smaller Autopia because the demand was just huge. So mm. no adults were allowed on Midget Autopia. Um, it was more like a cartoon experience than driving because it was like a basically like an off-the-shelf amusement park ride. Um, the cars had like uh, like 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 Pontiacs and Chevrolets and whatever. And so they were smaller, they were rounder, they ran on electricity on a bar track, so basically kind of on a little rural rural, rural road. Can't say that word. Um, the route wasn't a freeway road. theme, but it was like a rural road of like yeah. gentle and everything. Went over a small hill through a tunnel and through a little garage barn. The door swung open as you go through. And, and Bob Gurr in 1997 said, he's a ima- famous Imagineer, said, it was a simple four-wheel dark ride. Uh, they, they had been building and selling uh, these cars to other parks for years, and these were not Autopia cars in the sense that guests could drive or control them. The midget Autopia ride was a kiddie ride with the same technology that we use in all dark rides. Two steering wheels, so each passenger had access to one, so kids can, can both can do the steering wheels, so one can pretend like they're in Britain, or they're in London. Um, the wheels were not connected to anything. You opened it during peak hours, during summer holidays and weekends. Eventually, they dismantled it in 1966. They donated uh, the whole thing to Walt's hometown of Marceline, Missouri, where it was there in Walt Disney Municipal Park for 11 years until mm-hmm. maintenance and insurance created challenges, and they decided to close it for good. So and I, just I think have that's kind seen of a, one of those cars. Oh, have you? That's really awesome. I went to um, Marceline a couple years ago, and we went to the Family Museum, and they do oh, have those little midget Autopia cars. Yeah. As you would say, Jen, I am totes jelly by that that, that admission because <laughs> I I love that. I think that would be really really cool. But I like I didn't even really know cool. that existed. Midget Autopia. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, that just would not fly nowadays. But uh, yeah, Midget Autopia. It's 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 something yeah. for the little kids. It is a piece of history, so, and it, it the cars yeah. were adorable. <laughs> just so I'm actually looking up the cars now on on the on the uh, on yeah. the Googles, and they are they're they're really cute. They're, they're just they, adorable. Yeah. yeah, they had headlights from like. Like Chevrolets and Pontiacs mm-hmm. and stuff, they actually had parts yeah. and everything for the bigger cars and stuff. So, very cool. So that's my that's my Midget Autopia story. Jen, what is your what's your what is your second Disney Disney? My second story, um, and I just always think that this is interesting. And quite honestly, if I hadn't been down right after they revamped Disney Springs, I was right. down there for um, a one of the events, and they actually talked us through about Disney Springs and the whole storyline behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think you know everything in Disney. I know that everything in Disney has a story, but sometimes right. it's not always, I don't know, super in front of your face. Right. So, right. you know, cause it was Pleasure Island, which you know is kind of after the whole Pinocchio thing. Right. And then it was just downtown Disney, you know, it was just right. a shopping area, right. but they really wanted to bring that more into a storyline. So Disney Springs was born mm-hmm. and um, okay. So essentially the, I'm sorry. I just closed out my wrong tab. Sorry, Heather. Okay, I'm cooling. Awesome. Right. Heather. <laughs> I need a Edit. sorry. Edit. Mm. Like I knew how I was starting that, and then I just like 100. percent Right. I was like wait. Right. I was like going with that. Okay. There we go. 
so let me start that area again. So, so um, you know, after they, you know, had the whole downtown Disney concept, they decided to start transforming it. Mm -hmm. I was, I remember walking through the whole area when that was happening and it's just super interesting to me. So the, basically the story um, is inspired by the small Florida towns that developed in the 1900s. Cause that really is, you know, how Florida right, developed, right. you know, there's a the ton of waterways and beautiful natural springs. I mean, there's like Tarpon Springs. There's a whole bunch of things around there. So what their whole thing was that settlers discovered a natural spring and a piece of land and they built a town center where the residents would live. So of course, town center, course. that's where you have all of, of your shops, right. etc. They even built a waterside promenade where they could relax after a busy day. But as the population grew, it expanded out. And that's okay. why you have things like the landing. Of course. And okay. um, yeah, so like all of those other sections. So each neighborhood has a specific function and time period when it was developed. So the town center, that's like the um, the Flagler era. You've heard of like Flagler Beach and yes. Henry Flagler yep. was a big part. Okay. So that's his era, quote unquote. So that's why it looks a lot like um, St. Augustine and architecturally okay. and like the Spanish tile roofs. Then the west side, um, remnants of a train trestle from the fictional 1950s Centennial Expo. Okay. Okay. So that's where the train trestle, you know, that raised thing comes in. Also, Deluxe Burger figures into that. There is okay. a whole backstory, even like Deluxe Burger, actually all of the restaurants for the most part have a very, at least a small nod to the theme. So speaking of, the a cattle rancher named Martin Sinclair and his wife Clara had discovered the water source. He became the cattle king and then they opened up deluxe burger basically oh, like a okay. restaurant so that's how that sort of fits in so if you look inside you might you see older pictures of disney springs right. and <laughs> just kind of yeah and then um even and i mean just so many nods to it in there i mean it would take forever if i recounted literally the whole thing i found this um this is an article by june corcus and you know he's a great of disney course. historian oh, yeah, and yeah just, i'm trying to get him on the show that's a hard sell. he's been trying he so. is fantastic. So eventually he became Sinclair, became not just a beef cattle dealer. He um, attended the World's Fair. Uh, he developed the hamburger. So again, deluxe burger. Of course. And then um, Disney Springs also has a Blaze Pizza, which I'm like, how on earth are you tying in Blaze Pizza? Like this is not, has nothing to do with cattle. This has nothing to do with ranching. Right. <laughs> right. But it used to be the lumber mill. And so if you look inside that particular building, it looks like an old lumber mill. Ah. So that's where that came from. I love it. And, you know, there's a few other things, but the other one I wanted to point out is Maria and Enzo's because that's on, you know, yet another section of Disney Springs. And that portion, the story about that, is it looks like an old airline hangar because the people who opened that restaurant were people uh, from Italy, and he used to be a pilot. So he was drawn to this abandoned airline hangar, like uh -huh. nobody had used it in years, converted uh -huh. it into a restaurant. If you walk through, it is all about aviation. Right, And Maria also started as just doing like little pizza out of a window, which is why you have Pizza Ponte, mm -hmm. which is part of Maria and Enzo's. So I just think that it is interesting how they've tied all of these storylines together like to this it. fictional town, you know, of, Disney Springs. Can you imagine being in that room where they're coming up with a story and one guy's like, okay, so Maria, all right, so what if, okay, so what if we do like, like an old warehouse, like a factory? And somebody else is like, no, 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 no. 
How about like a boat? Ha- no, an airplane. Airplane hangar. That's it. Let's do with that. Go with yeah. that. Okay, who's she with? You know, I had an uncle named Enzo. He loved it. Enzo's perfect. Let's go with that. I mean, just I, right. I like a whiteboarding session. There's like names all over the place. And originally it was going to be called like Guadalupe and Giuseppe's or something, whatever. And just it's, you know, they, I, I, I love that. I love the whole backstory. I lo- yeah. It's just so interesting. And then there's like the hideaway portion too was inspired by like that 20s speakeasy style, which is why it's the hideaway. So again, it just, it's incorporating a lot of history from like 1850s through like the 1950s and how the town has developed and changed. I love storytelling. And that's one thing I do miss about some things at Disney is the storytelling aspect, because I know that attraction wise, we haven't really opened an attraction that's original right. storytelling, basically since Everest, when we had that original yeah. ride open with the story and you know Soarin' mm-hmm. and that whole thing, because it's all been IP, which is great. We're loving the IP rides, but you know I would right. love to, for them to open an attraction going, here's a brand new character. His name is blah blah blah. His name is Bubby, and he is uh, whatever. And this is the I mean I I would love that, and so that would yes. be that would that would be great. I would um, love that as well. That would be but cool. So. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. Very cool. So my final one here, and this is a story I've been wanting to tell for a while because I love this story. So I'm going to set this up and you're going to have to go with me here because I'm not coming to the to the <laughs> okay. Disney part of it till towards the end, but you'll see how it all comes around. So we're going to take right. all the way back to 2004, okay? Uh, NFL football. CBS, they have the rights to AFC. Fox has the rights to NFC games. ABC, ABC had Monday night, and ESPN had Sunday night games. So there, there's the Disney, of course, owning ABC and, and ESPN. So CBS and Fox had renegotiated the contracts. They're out. They're good. They're fine. They're sitting pretty. They're up there, whatever. So mm-hmm. Disney, which has ESPN and ABC, they're dragging their feet around contract negotiations. And the NFL says, hey, Disney, mm-hmm. you may want to sign this contract for Sunday and Monday night games because we got somebody else coming in the wings here ready to pounce on this. And, they, and Disney's like, eh, we'll get there, whatever. You know, because looking at the landscape, they're not going to cable, and they're not going to end NBC because NBC's in shambles right now, and we'll get to that in a minute, but the NFL had an offer for Monday night and Sunday night games, and Disney passed it, basically. So the next year, Disney came back to the table to get the NFL, and lo and behold, there was the other player in the game, and this was, in fact, NBC. Now, you got to remember, back in 2005, Friends was gone. It was done. VR was pretty much over. Um, There was no more must-see Thursday night TV. Like, they were in shambles. Out of the top 20 programs that year in 2005, NBC appeared twice, once with Deal or No Deal, and with uh, Special Victims Unit Law and Order. The top show, this is the shows that were on the air in 2005. Oh Just think to yourself, and, and think past, this is well before satellites. So this is cable. Yeah. This is, this is you know, Blockbuster is still open for the most part. Netflix is really just getting going. They've got the discs mm-hmm. and stuff they're sending to you. Um, you know, hey, Rory, we actually used to send you discs in the mail rather than streaming. <laughs> uh, just FYI there. Um, but these are the programs. American Idol, CSI, Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, um, uh, House, Survivor, uh, Two and a Half Men. These, these shows were all in their heyday. So these shows were huge. NBC was getting trounced in the ratings. So they're coming to the table, putting forth a ton of money for for football, um, because they had this guy named Dick Ebersol. Dick Ebersol. Now you may not know that name, but he is a he. Anybody who knows anything about television and history, Dick Ebersol is a legend in New York network sports. He's like he's like a Marty Sklarist to Disney. Maybe outsiders won't know who Marty Sklarist is, but okay. people on the inside were like, "Oh my gosh, Dick, Dick Ebersol!" And they're like, "We're not worthy. We're not worthy." It was just a huge. So Bob Iger really wasn't paying much attention at the NFL at the time because he's taking over for Eisner. This is that transition period. Eisner's out. Iger's in. He's trying to get his stuff together. But Ebersol had spent months calling NFL team owners, trying to get support for the Sunday night games to NBC. They ended up getting the rights to it. Not only that, they got two playoff games. They got Super Bowls. They have a schedule where it was flexed. They could pick the games they wanted. They're really good games. So on the schedule, if they're like, oh, we got two crappy teams playing, let's move them to 12 o'clock and get these two other teams, whatever. 
Disney finally comes to the table. They sign the contract. Their contract is terrible. They don't get any playoff games. They get no Super Bowls, and they get no flex. Whatever they get, they get. All right, so that's what's happening with the football. Cut to Al Michaels and uh, John Madden, okay? They're legendary sports figures. John Madden, of course, mm-hmm. he's just recently passed uh, like a month or two ago. He was a Super Bowl winning coach of the 80s. The name be- He's the name behind this gazillion dollar Madden football video game franchise. Mm-hmm. When you hear Madden 95 or Madden 2002, whatever, that's Madden. Great play-by-play announcer. He's like the number one announcer on TV right now. Al Michaels, he's the legendary voice of, do you believe in miracles? Yes! That guy, the Miracle on Ice. Yeah. He's got an incredible history of, of sports events that he's done and everything so so they have no idea what's happening to them so john madden calls al michaels and he's he's upset because he doesn't like what's happening right now because disney has signed the contract they're moving sunday i'm sorry monday night football to espn off of abc Mm -hmm. now this is nobody's liking this move except for the executives because really for espn it's like we're going to move over there that means we can tell cable companies hey you have to pay us more now because now we have football on monday nights uh, and so the cable thing or whatever, John Madden does not like ESPN because the higher-ups at ESPN, they want to go younger. So eventually they want to push John Madden out. And John Madden's like, I'm not, I'm not getting pushed out. I'm John Madden. That's not, hap- that's not how I'm going out. So he's already, call- he's already talking to NBC by getting out of his contract. So 2005, John Madden moves to NBC. Now Michaels is in limbo. So his partner is gone. All these new production guys have come in. And NBC is basically signing over the production. And you're you're somebody who's done a lot of performances in church. Mm-hmm. You know, you know who you're working with. If you came to yeah. one Sunday morning and all of a sudden a whole bunch of new people came in to do your production, but you had no idea who they were, they may be nice people. If you'd be like, I don't know you guys. We don't know how to work. Like, together. I don't know don't, how to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Blah, 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 blah. So Dick Ebersol is basically talking to Al Michaels and trying to get him to come over because NBC doesn't have a ton of money to give them because they paid like billions of dollars for NFL football. So Al's going to have to pay cut. And he's like, well, I don't know that I want to do this. Let me think on it. ESPN gets wind of it. They call Al and they say, hey, Al, we hear you're talking to NBC. I know you're on vacation right now. you got 48 hours to make a decision. 48 hours. So Al's like, okay, so I'm going to stay at NBC right now. I'm just going to stay there and we'll just see what happens. So um, he's like, but but he's thinking, okay, so the test is going to be the schedule. Because I don't want to call, I'm Al Michaels. I don't want to call a bunch of crappy games. You know, Jen, you're a travel agent. You don't want to be booking trips to Six Flags. You book trips to all-inclusive, to Disney World. You're, you're prime time here. You've been doing this a long time. He's like, I'm not doing this. So the whole thing is, I'm going to look at the schedule. He gets the schedule, and he realizes that the Super Bowl champ, which is Pittsburgh, is going to be on Monday Night Football with ESPN one time. NBC has them three times, all in prime time. And Al's like, I'm out. I'm done. Whatever. So NBC wants to wants to come in and sign them. But there's this whole credibility thing, trying to get out of his contract, that kind of thing. So this is where the story takes two different directions. There's two different ways the story goes. So George Bodenheimer, who is the head honcho at ESPN, calls Bob Iger and says, we want Al Michaels. What do we got to do to get to Al Michaels? What do, we need, what do we need to get to him? Bob Iger says, okay, here's what we're going to do, George. I'm going to let Al Michaels go to you if you can get us the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And George Bodenheimer says, who or what is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? What the heck are you talking about? Now, of course, Iger has come into Disney, and he's been a part of Disney for a while, so he knows that the fans are like, why does Universal, because NBC is owned by Universal, yes. why does Universal have, Universal have Oswald? This would be basically be like Disney owning the rights to, I don't know, Shrek, or owning the rights to right. uh, Dr. Seuss or whatever. I mean, maybe not like prevalent right now, but still a legendary figure in this history. Yeah. And so, you know, they're like, we want him back, we want him back. So, for those of you who don't know... 1928, Walt Disney mm-hmm. went to New York to visit Charles Mutz, who worked with Universal, worked with the company there, to, to work and kind of set up an animation company. Unbeknownst to Walt, Mutz has already contacted all of Walt's animators, 
has signed most of them out from under his nose, has taken the rights to all of his characters, including Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which was a massive character in the 20s. Yes. Walt goes home. It's the infamous train robber. He goes home with Lillian, and he designs this mouse, and he wants to call him Mortimer, and Lillian's like, that's a dumb name. What about Mickey? And something happened with the grass. I don't really know. But for all this time, Universal has had the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which is this historical figure. So... Iger says, okay, George, it goes back to the beginning of Walt Disney's career. Oswald is beloved by Disney. We want to get him back. So George Bodenheimer call, I'm mean, sorry, uh, they call Dick Ebersol. And they say, I'm willing to talk to you about letting Al go to NBC, but I got to have Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And Dick Ebersol goes, who or what is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? So they explain again. And so basically they get Oswald. So they trade Al Michaels, this legendary sports mm-hmm. figure, for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. That's how Disney got Oswald back. Now, the other side of the story. I remember that. The other side of the story is not quite as romantic. If you go to Al Michaels and talk to him, he's got a great book called "You Can't Make This Stuff Up." It is an incredible memoir about his history and goes through all the, the the different sporting events he's had to cover and some of the things he's had to do. From his end, he basically has said that the deal was 99% done regardless. But the press was already hounding in on Al's breaking his contract. The NBC is being underhanded. What's ESPN doing? Blah blah blah. And somebody came up with the idea of, what if we throw Oswald the Lucky Rabbit in the deal? The press is going to focus on that and not so much the negativity. Let's throw uh, them in there of a relations ploy. So they threw him in there, and so that's what everybody turned to. The press immediately went to, oh, Michaels is being traded for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? What? Nobody paying any attention to, to the backwards deals of, like, contracts being broken and deals being oh broken and everything like that. So so that's, those are the two conflicting stories. I kind of believe it's kind of a mix in the middle. I think the deal probably Ooh, was probably. done. Al would have gone anyway, but I do believe that George called Bob Iger and was like, what, who is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? So that's the story of how Disney gained Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back from Universal. I love there it. There you go. There you go, folks. Now, going to Universal, going to the universe, actually, is Jen, who will be boarding the Galactic Star Cruiser, the Hyperion, and taking flight and also visiting Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Batu, Black Spire Empire, Black Spire Outpost at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios. There's like 54 names here. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I don't... For all the things that Disney can't come up with with Lightning Lane, just calling it Fast Pass, I don't know why they have to assign 17 different names to Star Wars stuff. Um, I mean, it's fine. But you'll be taking you'll be taking a venture down to Hollywood Studios to do Galaxy's Edge as yes, well, I will. Uh, boarding the the Star Cruiser Star Cruiser transport. Those of you on video see me making yep. air quotes, um, which will be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to hearing all of that. And I don't yeah. know, are you? I'm assuming you're allowed to take pictures and post while you're there. Oh yeah, I know because mm-hmm. the embargo is over. Um, the embargo is over, and that so. was like just for like the influencers. Right or whatnot and so now i mean stuff is out there right so yeah so yep. which is good so we look forward to the pictures jen where can people find all those pictures um they will be able to find it at upon a star jen and my personal instagram at jen underscore Navati. perfect for those of you who are following jen but also want to see stuff besides star wars you can follow me at the magic on a dollar on instagram of course magic on a dollar and disney on a dollar on facebook next week folks i'm really excited about this sometime next week we're going to start the ninth annual favorite disney movie madness tournament Every year, this goes on all my pages for the month of March. You vote on your favorite movies. We all grind all the way down to our favorite, favorite film, Disney film of all time. Last year, it was Tangled. Beauty and the Beast has won it three times. Mary Poppins has been a champion. Lion King has been a champion. Uh, Mermaid has been a champion. So you get to vote, folks, on your favorite movies, and they're all in there. Everything from Flight of the Navigator to Moana to uh, the Santa Claus, which, by the way, the Santa Claus always had a good, always has a good showing. It's made like the Elite Eight before, which is in the Enchanting Eight is what I call it before. It's it's a great movie. To Nashville, you get to vote 
on your favorite Disney movie of all time. So make sure you follow all my pages because I give away prizes every year. I usually give away a $50 gift card at the end of the whole thing from one lucky uh, one lucky person uh, who gets to go. And so, so yeah, definitely follow the pages there. Of course, follow the show, the MSE Podcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. That's our that is our email. We'd love to hear what you what stories you want to hear. What do you want to know more mm-hmm. about? More history next time we do it. Did you know? What do you want to know? What do you want to hear? What questions do you have? Also follow us at the MSE Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. That's where you find all of our stuff, and we would love to hear from you. Make sure you go online, yes. download the show, subscribe to the show, listen to the show. The numbers are creeping up. I love it, people. For whatever reason, folks, people love Jen and I talking, just chatting away about Disney, and that's great. I heard from this morning, somebody said, somebody messaged me, well, like, I was listening to your show this morning, and I'm like, you listen to the show? That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks. And they were like, yeah, so, 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 also listening to the show, too, and they have a question, blah, 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 and I'm like, that's even better. Let's, thank you so much. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. A couple of reminders, folks. Uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser does not go into space, as it said on Disney uh, frequently asked Correct. Questions, just so you know. Um, Jen will be back, of course, next week to regale us to the fabulous stories about the Star Cruiser, the good and probably maybe some not at quite as good because we want to be an honest show. We'll for you see. Well. I will be honest, but I am yes. excited. I you am should excited. be excited. It's a really exciting thing. This thing's been years in the making and you yeah. know, there will be, I know there will be tips and tricks when you get here, make sure you do this, when you get here, oh, make yeah, sure you do that, avoid that, whatever. I'm excited about hearing that. Also, Jen, it's been 1,184 days since the train has run for the public in Walt Disney World. Uh, should I point that out? We're getting there. Sad. Maybe, maybe. Crossing Sadness. Our fingers. Crossing our fingers. Guys, don't forget to thank the Phoenicians. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The MSE Podcast. Or visit our website at themsepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe and may all your wishes come true.